Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. It's paranormal springtime today in Madison. That's a fun time of year. Yes. It finally feels like we're getting some kind of spring. And so, yeah, the sun is out. Mm -hmm. So, that's exciting. And the reason I say it's paranormal is because anytime it's not cold in Wisconsin, we consider it weird. That's true. (laughs) So, it is lovely. Anyway, happy April to everybody. April 2017. 2017 already. And like I said before, a couple weeks ago, when we were doing the Heaven's Gate report, the 20 years afterwards, like, it's not until you actually look at the dates of things when you start feeling old. Oh. Yeah. I know. And we're going to get to what's making us feel old this week in a minute. But first, let's do something that makes us feel young. And Wendy, oh. what's that? Well, it's, of course, reading a five-star review in iTunes. The invigorating, life-giving energy of your five-star iTunes reviews. Who's this from? Spring has sprung, and we have a brand new, fresh one from Mo Austin Four, Mo? who says, "Refreshingly real and five stars. No shock and awe here. Just two real people telling interesting stories of the paranormal and everything in between, including debunking rumors and untruthful stories told over the years. I highly recommend this podcast if you're interested in the paranormal, UFOs, etc. Thank you, Mo Austin Four. <laughs> Mo Austin, you are awesome." We appreciate the uh, five-star review. Now, if you guys would like a shout-out to yourselves, uh, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes, too, because we make sure all the good ones we read. Uh, And we haven't had to read any bad ones yet, have we? Well, we don't read bad ones, so... (laughs) We don't. If we we did... Yes. (laughs) Right. Um, I just put that seed in somebody's head, like, I'm going to be the first bad (laughs) review they're going to read No, 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 don't do that. You can also, if you don't have iTunes, you can also leave us a review in Stitcher Radio or on whatever podcast site that you use. But yeah, Mo Austin 4, thank you. You should be called Mo Awesome 4. Hey! For doing that for us because we appreciate it. It helps other people find the podcast and it helps us uh, expand our audience and grow and find more topics to discuss and all that good stuff. Remember when they used to call podcast software podcast catchers? Podcatchers. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, use whatever podcatcher you decide to use. And like, oh. That makes it sound like it's some kind of an alien <laughs> trap. <laughs> I know. Like, when we, we're going we're gonna to catch him in our pods. We're pod people, Mike. We are. I am a pod person. <laughs> I use the Keurig pods every morning. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so I am. Uh, I do feel like a pod person most of the time. <laughs> anyway, what anniversary are we celebrating this week, Wendy? Well, it's just a couple of weeks from my trip to Arizona, and so we're celebrating an Arizona-related event, a big one, a big one for UFO lovers, and that is the Phoenix Lights. The Phoenix Lights, March 13th, 1997. It was a Thursday. All good UFO events happen on Thursdays, I think. (laughs) They don't wait for the weekend to party. They want to go now. Yeah, the Thirsty Thursday, the aliens come down because they... They're not interested in in Friday and Saturday. They want to party on Thursday. But, okay, so the Phoenix Lights, March 13th, 1997. Now, here's an interesting thing. Let's, I, I guess we need to set up the context of 1997 a little bit. Like, you know, for some reason, I have a memory of reading about the Phoenix Lights off the Drudge Report. <laughs> that, I, that's still around. Off the Drudge Report, sitting at my desk at the university when I was working for the Division of Information Technology for the university in 1997. Wow. But here's an example of why that memory isn't real. Oh, okay. March 13th, 1997, I was not working for the university yet. You fabricated a memory. I, did, I completely fabricated a memory. I was, I was working for the Badger Herald, and we didn't even... Wow. We, I did a couple of UFO stories, the Badger Herald, but this is not one of them. During the Heaven's Gate episode, we got into a bit about, I mean, this is obviously the same anniversary year, so yeah. that's a good episode if you want to go back and hear us, you know, reminiscing about having brand new internet and all that <laughs> side of it. But the same thing applies, of course, for this story, and that is, you know, things were new. The web pages weren't the way they are now, and uh, news online wasn't the way it is now. But what's interesting, in my fabrication of the memory, 
Yes. It's because uh, in January of 2008, there was a similar phenomenon called the Stephenville Lights in Stephenville, Texas. Mm. So that's about 100 miles southwest of Dallas. And so people were seeing bright lights in the sky in Stephenville, Texas over a series of several days in, in January of 2008. And so you were working at the university then. Correct. And just be- mixed them up. Yeah. And, and so in my head, though, I remember it as reading about the Phoenix Lights. Huh. So you didn't entirely fabricate the story. You just mixed no. them up. But, but that's the whole thing. Like when you think about eyewitness memory. And today (laughs) we're going to be talking about the memory of a lot of eyewitnesses and what they saw, even though most people aren't looking at it from 20 years on, they're looking at it from the actual date or a few months after the date. But it's just that idea that I could tell you, I swore up and down that I was reading this while sitting in, in my corner of the do it show. Do it was the name of the uh, division of information technology. We always call it do it. And we had certain positions we work at and people would come in and I'd try to sell them computers. Uh, Back when buying computers was a big deal. Right. You needed someone to help you. Right. I guess you still do kind of in a way, but. Right. Because they have the genius bar and stuff like that now. Right. But back in the day, they just had uh, local yokels like me. (laughs) They weren't geniuses there. (laughs) We definitely were not geniuses that do it. But that was just a funny thing. Like you, I have that memory in my head and I could tell you, I could, I can see the headline, but that's, that's the thing. It, It doesn't exist. So I shouldn't call you as an eyewitness if I'm ever in a court and need one. I mean, I'm not saying that would happen. <laughs> right. No, well, it depends on the event. But this particular <laughs> event, I can, I can corroborate, never happened in my head. And, you know, we have a whole episode on how people can make memories and really yeah. believe they happened after event. And that you can just be suggested well, something. Right. You can make someone else have a fake memory. That's the, that's the freakiest part. <laughs> someone else can make you have a memory you didn't actually have. Yeah. Well, I could, you know, I could tell you something that happened in college, Wendy, and I could be like, well, don't you remember, you know, that day that we watched this movie and we were in this so-and-so's dorm room and we were hanging out here and then this person came in and hung out and then we all had popcorn or something. And then later on, you might be thinking about that memory and you might, be, yeah, I remember that because I remember the popcorn. Wait, I do remember that. Yeah, you remember the part. <laughs> and that's the thing. So this is this is one of those examples of, you know, suggested memories because I just remember the time. I remember yeah. reading about UFO stuff on the Dredge Report, sitting in that position in the Dewey showroom and thinking it was about the Phoenix Lights because that's the most famous thing. So 1997 also was, the time was different in, in the way that the zeitgeist was, the pop culture was at the time. You know, we really were still in the land of the X-Files. In 1997. Ah, uh, yes. It was before the X Files kind of went to seed the past, the last couple of seasons. <laughs> it's when they was, it was still hot. It was still cool. And I mean, the idea that, you know, you'd see a UFO and then the government would cover it up. Like, you know, we think about the X Files and we forget that there were all of these other shows that were influenced by the X-Files that were also on at the same time. Because it's not like everybody was just watching the X-Files. There's also a show called Dark Skies. Um, at the time, Dark Skies was all about the government conspiracy. In fact, Art, oh, yeah. Art Bell was even a guest on Dark Skies. Like he, yeah. yeah, he portrayed like a character on that show. I remember that. There was, um, oh, The Chronicles of the Paranormal, hosted by Dan Aykroyd, like, which was a Canadian a show. favorite. Right. Sci Factor, Chronicles of the Paranormal. It's got Dan Aykroyd. It was also starring Matt Frewer, the guy that played Max Headroom. There was even a show called Baywatch Nights. <laughs> and it, David Hasselhoff, David Hasselhoff was inspired by uh, the X Files and decided to have an X Files like show called Baywatch Nights, where his character from Baywatch would also investigate cases of the supernatural. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. In the evening. Yeah. So you Funny. Had, you had Baywatch when you wanted to save women in bikinis and, and swimsuits and stuff like that from, from drowning. And then at night, he would investigate ghosts. See, I was just imagining all the lifeguards being on the night shift. And <laughs> it seems a little right. strange who goes swimming. But, but actually, the beach would be a really scary place at night. It's yeah. so dark. And there's all, you know, there's all kind of maritime lore and stuff. But Right. So, but 1997, I mean, paranormal shows, I mean, now it's paranormal reality shows that are hot. Yes. You know, but back then it was actually UFO government conspiracy kind of things that were, it was really hot. So the idea that, yeah, a UFO happens and then 
people ask the government about it and they're going to be like, what? There was nothing up there. It was just a lens flare. 1997 <laughs> is also the 50th anniversary of Roswell. Ooh. And they had a huge party in July in Roswell in July 1997. The 50th anniversary. So, I mean, UFOs were in the air. <sighs> oh, That's Mike. A, I know. I'm my puns, but I, I, I wasn't even on, on purpose. But it, there I'm was, just glad I got to use the rim shot again. <laughs> but UFOs were in the air. And that was just, it was just part of the zeitgeist. And, and so when it happens, March 13th, 1997, okay? Let's say you're in Phoenix. Let's say you're in the American Southwest. And here's where it starts. It starts... In Henderson, Nevada. Now, play, you've been to Henderson, Nevada, right, Wendy? Yeah. Okay. So. As a side trip when I was in Las Vegas. Okay. So, you know, Henderson, Nevada is about uh, 20 miles uh, from Las Vegas. It, it's the second largest city in Las Vegas and also known as like the second safest city in the United States. Wow. Good place yeah. to go gambling. It sounds like a great place to go gambling. Sounds like a great place to visit. Sounds like a great place to see a UFO. At 8.55 Pacific time, a man reports seeing a V-shaped object over Henderson, Nevada. He says it's about the size of a 747. Sounds like rushing wind. It has six lights on its leading edge. The lights start traveling to the southeast. Then, Paulden, Arizona, uh, identified former police officer, the next person to see something. And this is 8.15 mountain time. Okay, so it's pretty early. You know, I don't remember, I haven't been to Arizona in a while, and you were just there. Is it mountain time or is it Pacific time? It depends on what time of year. Okay. Well, let's say- Flip-flops. Let's say March 13th. It was, uh, okay, so that would have been mountain time. Okay. So it was mountain time. I think. But I'm just setting- No, it was Pacific time. Okay. Well, we just set up the timeline here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. You're set of the time here. So it's 6.55 Pacific time. He's, this guy in Henderson sees the V-shaped object. And then it's 2017 mountain time, which is only going to, that's going to be 9.17 Pacific time. Uh, where he, okay. Yeah. So this guy uh, sees this in Paulden, Arizona. And it's still traveling. Then Prescott, Prescott Valley. And people are seeing this trail of lights happening. And in this particular formation that looks like a V, a boomerang formation. People are seeing traveling southeast. So these are the Phoenix lights. And then it gets to Phoenix. And 10,000 people see it. Party time. Right. And so that's the thing, is that so many people saw this strange V formation of lights appear over Phoenix. So did those people had the news traveled by like radio or TV or something like that? Well, were not people at, reporting it live. Not at the time. I mean, people were taking pictures of it and people were taking video. And back then you wouldn't just take a you know, you couldn't just shoot it on your phone. Because nowadays I would say, you know, people would you'd see people tweeting about it and then you'd oh, they're heading south. OK, so then as they got further south, more and more people would be looking up to try to observe, you know. Right. You know, I think about this. This is obviously not a UFO. Because uh, it's identified. But a couple of years back, it was supposed to be a really good night to see the northern lights in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. or n- Well, not in Minneapolis because you don't see anything because of the city. But you go outside and you're supposed to see it. In- and so people were tweeting back and forth where they were seeing the northern lights. And you would try to, dr- you could drive out, like in live, real time, you'd try to drive out there and catch them. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, I was swinging back and forth with people when we were trying to go see the Northern Lights. And so I think if something like this was happening today, you're quite right. You'd be able to say, you'd, in, you'd have a hashtag, like Phoenix, I guess your hashtag would be Phoenix Lights or hashtag what the hell is that or something like that. And you'd find it and then and people would report seeing it. But these reports are coming in, I mean, after the event. So the report in Henderson, Nevada, um, the foreign police officer. These are people coming forward and saying what they saw after it already hit the mainstream media. Okay, so it wasn't the ten thousand people was not the result of having heard <laughs> of the earlier reports. No, they were just outside. And the thing is, okay, now what did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Is we talked about Hale Bop, and Hale Bop was a big deal for everybody in Heaven's Gate because Hale right. Bob had the little buddy, the companion that was supposed to be a UFO, <laughs> was supposed to be a flying saucer that was to carry all the Heaven's Gate guys off. Well, people were outside to go and try to see Hale Bob. So that, 
That's one of the reasons that so many people on March 13, 1997, that's one of the reasons that so many people were outside in the Phoenix area because it was clear sky and it's oh, a perfect night okay. if you're into stargazing. Oh, and Arizona, boy, oh boy, I can verify that it's a great place for that. Yeah, the big sky. It's deserts. So now here's, here's the National UFO Reporting Center gets a report from Prescott. And this is, this is a 2017 mountain time where they see it pass over. While doing astrophotography, I observed five yellow-white lights in a V formation moving slowly from the northwest across the sky, then turn almost due south and continue until out of sight. The point of the V was the direction of the movement, which the point, so if it was in the direction of the movement, think about it'd be one like a flock of geese. Like a flock of geese. The first three lights were in a fairly tight V, while two of the lights were further back along the lines of the legs. During the transit, one of the trailing lights moved up and joined the three and then dropped back to the trailing position. I estimated the three light V to cover about 0.5 degrees of the sky, and the whole group of five lights to cover about one degree of the sky. Okay, what does that mean? That means it's big. It's huge. And, well, th- that's the thing is that when people were talking about seeing this light, they were describing it as something the size of several football fields. But it sounds like they were separate items that were traveling in a V like a flock of geese. And that's what this particular report from Prescott looks like. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. Because the, when they arrived in Phoenix, people were seeing the triangular formation and they were seeing it as none of the lights moving. Oh, that it was, you know, solid people reporting it as seeing a V boomerang like UFO. OK, and this really enters the public imagination. Like, you know, they probably talked about it on Coast to Coast not too long after. <laughs> I'm it sure. Happened. Well, and in, in the UFO circles, it made enough of a splash that it was even used with the Heaven's Gate members oh. that Doe was saying, see you know they're coming yeah he was using it as evidence beyond you know the things that they were talking about the hail bop and the companion with hail bop and stuff he was using it as evidence that hey the ufos are happening thousands of people are seeing it now not just a few not just a couple of cranks but thousands so this is getting to be big news in june of that year when it hits usa today and so the kind of this is what puts the image in people's heads of what this UFO is going to look like. And, and this is where we almost get a little problematic. Remember how I said that, you know, I have this memory that's manufactured in my head? Yeah. Okay. So the way people describe seeing this particular UFO, now there's a, there's a few uh, pictures of it. There's some videotape of it. And it's video too, because there's not, there's not digital video at the time. It actually was videotape. It's actually videotape that people take out their camcorders that they would record like their kids with Santa Claus and things uh. like that. A different action in the sky. But so USA Today has a picture of a V-shaped black UFO in the sky in, in June of that year. And it talks about how thousands of people have seen these phoenix lights and it talks about the phenomenon and this is where it kind of goes mainstream is at this point it's on the cover of usa today and usa today did a computer generated image recreation of it Uh uh-oh so that computer generated image that boomerang shaped ufo is now on the cover of a newspaper that first of all every single person who's staying in a hotel is gonna see (laughs) Even if it's just to pick it up and throw it out. (laughs) Um, And everybody who walks to the grocery store or uh, gets gas or anything that day is going to see this UFO shape on the cover of USA Today if they see the paper at all. All right. So that's the thing. You just said, well, it sounds like there were several different lights, that there were several different objects, not just one. Well, if you let's say you saw something weird and you were kind of on the fence about it. Yeah. Well, now when you're remembering it, are you remembering what you really saw? Or are you remembering the cover of USA Today? Right, right. Especially when you're like you're saying you're on the fence mm-hmm. and somebody says to you, oh, well, was it like this? Are you sure? Was it are you sure it wasn't bobbing up and down and, you know, like little suggestions? And then your mind just kind of goes, hmm, maybe it was. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And we're going to have links to some of the videos and pictures. And 
in the past 20 years, since March 13th, 1997, there's obviously been plenty. If you look up Phoenix Lights on YouTube, you're going to see plenty of stuff about it. If you look it up, there's one particular one that I think is pretty interesting. It's, it's a guy that took some of the video footage, and then he uses a stabilizer, and he goes slow-mo to see if any of them move. Because the official report, or not necessarily official report, because the, the original report was that we have no comment on it. So the government kind of said, like, people were calling the government and saying, what's going on? They're calling the Air Force Base. There's an Air Force Base near Phoenix. And they had no answer for him. And they just said, nothing to see here. Carry on, carry right. on. The usual, the usual thing that people say when they say that. Now, you've seen the Skeptical Inquirer before, correct? Yes, of course. Okay, that's, that's the magazine for the Committee of Scientific Inquiry or Claims of the Paranormal. And the Skeptical Inquirer, basically, that is the particular magazine that puts the poo-poo on anything fun <laughs> in the world. Party killers. Is always usually the Skeptical Inquirer. Well, they talk about how it's all, you know, it's all in people's imaginations. What really it was, was that it was flares that were dropped, um, flares that were dropped from a series of different fighter planes that were just doing an exercise that night. And this captain from the, like the Maryland National Guard also says, what well, was the National Guard exercise? Okay. So the people were just seeing the flares. Well, that's the reason that the person was trying to... Um, make the video stabilization and and to analyze the video because he's trying to say if it was a flare number one why would they been up there for so long and number two how come they were all perfectly aligned with each other Mm. okay so people are saying they're saying it's flares they're saying that it's you know planes in a v formation and people were just seeing the landing lights of the planes but now let's enter a particular a particular doctor who the Phoenix Lights pretty much changed her life, all right? Her name is Lynn Kitai. I'm sorry if I'm not saying it right. And uh, Dr. Lynn Kitai, she and her husband saw the Phoenix Lights on that night in 1997. And that's kind of redefined what her life has become about. Wow. All right? So she sees it. She's a, I mean, it's one of those things where she's a medical doctor. So that's her everybody's like, well, she can't be crazy because she's a doctor. You must trust her. Right. She's a, don't, oh, she's a doctor. She, you know, she was, now she was able to pay attention in school for 10 years. There's no way she could be crazy. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting though is just that she puts her medical career on hold to find the truth about the Phoenix Lights. She made a documentary film in the late 2000s. She wrote a book called The Phoenix Lights, A Skeptic's Discovery, that we are not alone. And she is leading the charge on trying to find whatever the truth could be about the Phoenix Lights. So she has a whole page on the phoenixlights.net, which it's an interesting website. It's a little new agey, like it says, Phoenix Lights Network, evolution (laughs) to a new consciousness. (laughs) And so you're like, oh, okay. But I mean, she has a whole thing on debunking, you know, what it could be. And so like, there's a whole thing on the myths of the lights, like what it could be. Was it lights so, on a moving crowd? Oh, go ahead. So she's trying to rule out any of the, the poo-poos. That is correct. So okay. She goes through, and, and she really does it in her documentary. So she has a documentary in the Phoenix Lights. The whole thing's available on YouTube. I don't know if that's legal or not, but it's on YouTube, and I assume hmm. that Google is following the law. So it might not, if people hear this in their report, it might not be, but she might have put it on YouTube just so more people would watch it. Sure, okay. But it's also available for sale on Amazon and stuff. And it, went, it, was, it premiered at several different festivals across the country. Wow. Their, their Phoenix Lights documentary. Okay, but she's, you know, she's saying that, here's some of the debunking. Was it moving craft through the sky? These are the lights associated with the March 13th event that appeared to be fixed to a large V-shaped or triangular-shaped craft. There are varying witness descriptions of different light arrays, patterns, and numbers of lights, which suggest the possibility of multiple craft, like you were saying, or a singular craft that changed as it flew across the Arizona sky. Witnesses all unanimously agree that the craft or multiple crafts were completely silent and flew very close to the ground. One craft was over a mile wide, according to hundreds of documented witness accounts. So that's the debunking that people are saying that 
it was that boomerang that originally appeared in USA Today. Now, I'd be like, all right, that does sound a little bit, you know, like it does sound like it could just be, you know, lights on those landing lights on an aircraft sound very um, reasonable as far yeah. as the explanation. And also, like, Mike, we've driven through the night and we've seen groups of aircraft, you know, yes. probably military of some sort. I don't know. But I don't remember if they were necessarily in a V formation. But you look up in the sky and you see a bunch of lights in parallel traveling. And mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't seem that outrageous. It doesn't seem that outrageous. But she also, now Uh-oh. this this just came out a few years ago, where she also, Freedom of Information Act, she has a document that says that all planes in Arizona at the time were grounded. All military planes were grounded. Then she's got the document that says on March 13th, 1997, there were no planes in the sky. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's good evidence. Yes. So that's, so that's why she's saying- She did her homework. Yeah. And, you know, she did find this later on. And so it's, it's after the original, like, Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, the PSYCOP. It's after their initial debunking of it. So, I mean, what does that mean? Did she make, I don't, I don't think she made it up, but there is mm-hmm. a document that says that all the planes were grounded at the time. Mm-hmm. And now this Lynn, who, uh, Dr. Lynn Katai, who ends up making a documentary, writing a book, and now she appears at the, all the UFO conventions to talk about it. She says that she was seeing the Phoenix lights earlier than March 13th, 1997. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That she had started seeing these things in the mid nineties in 1995 is when she first starts having her experiences and Oh, looking at her site here, here's something I missed before a, a former guest on the show, Paul David even has a little uh, blurb for her. Ooh, Doc- Dr. Lynn right. Katai courageously offers truth and honesty and the most important and most witnessed UFO case ever experienced. I put my trust in Dr. Katai, who never exaggerates and bravely offers her cure for all of us whom the government and military continue to deceive. Whoa. So, And that's coming from a, a guest on See You on the Other Side. And all the guests on See You on the Other Side are obviously 100% trustworthy. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, Paul David, though, as far as guests go, like, he was one of the most reasonable. Yeah. You know, yeah, he like, was... he, none of his claims were anything too crazy. So... But the thing is, he also has been researching this for a long time, uh, and he's been interested in a long time. He was executive producer in the Roswell movie. We'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can listen to his interesting ghost story that I tell you. But, okay, so she sees these things in 1995 and says that she experiences missing time, okay? So when she takes the pictures and, and is taking video footage and stuff of the things that she saw, she said that it was, you know, maybe only a few minutes is her memory of it. But really, that her sighting took place over a matter of hours. And what happened is, she is missing time from the experience. Uh-oh. Okay. Now, where does that lead us? Because what happened, like, now what would happen, like, Wendy, let's say we're in the Sunspot van, trolling along. Oh, man. And we're in the middle of nowhere, and we look at the clock, and it says 2 o'clock. And then... Uh, we take a break somewhere, like, like maybe we stop at a rest stop, and everybody gets back in the car and it says five o'clock. What would we think happened? The clock was wrong. <laughs> the <laughs> clock, the battery died or something. Like. Right. That's the first thing we'd think. But let's say our phones verified it. I, we'd think we were abducted by aliens. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the next natural assumption. The, right. The next thing you're always going to be like, nope, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're abducted by aliens. So that's what she says happened to her in her initial sighting. Yeah, because if it's just one person, then you could say, you know, maybe uh, amnesia or some kind of a, maybe a passed out or something. But um, when all of us experienced it together. Right. Well, I I mean, and that's the thing. And so she does do a full investigation of an experience with a Dr. Bruce McAbee, who's a UFO investigator that's done a lot of these different cases and studies, and especially people that have experienced missing time. And it's her and her husband, uh, Frank. And they see three lights on February 6th, 1995. And she says, I took a mental note of every nuance, size, shape, color, distance. Each sphere was an oval between three and six feet across. They seemed to be hovering motionlessly in perfect symmetry, one on top and the other two aligned underneath, like a pyramid. There we go with that triangle formation. The soothing amber light contained within each orb looked different from any light I had ever seen. 
It didn't glare at all and was uniform throughout, reminding me of a holiday luminary that shines from within. What's a luminary? A luminary is like one of those bags with a tea light in it. Oh, I think. okay. Okay. That, I just never heard that before. But I've heard the word luminary before, but not... In- or I guess anything with a, like a candle inside that is lit up. Okay. So a holiday luminary, kind of like when people put the candle, like the, they light the candles and set them up at a uh, wedding or something? Maybe, yeah. That would make sense. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just didn't know what that word was. Uh, it didn't glare at all and was uniform throughout, reminding me of a holiday luminary that shines from within, without the light extending beyond its edge. Frank and I were in awe, mesmerized by the extraordinary scene. Okay. So she grabs her camera and she's about to take a photo and then it disappeared from sight. Well, in her original book published in 2004, she does not state a duration for the sighting, but the reader might logically conclude that it was many seconds to a few minutes at the most. She, further investigation, 15 years later, she decides to reveal the rest of the story in her book and says that it's missing time. She was gone for <laughs> several hours, what she thought was maybe a few minutes. And so what I'm trying to get at here is alien abduction. Ah. And one of the reasons we want to get an alien abduction here is because this is kind of like the next step of, you know, what could have happened with these lights. So when you go into the actual thing of what the Phoenix lights were, we have the government explanation. Oh, it's going to be flares uh, shot over the Barry Goldwater, you know, military training fields that are too far away. It, it, it's the Maryland National Guard who's doing some training and it's their, their six planes that people saw the images. Okay, all those things seem fairly reasonable. And it's a good enough explanation, I think, for a lot of the people who saw something weird that day. And even the government was going to, to tease it a little bit. Now, the, the governor of Arizona at the time, his name was, okay, this is, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, but it's Fife Symington III. <laughs> So, and we'll get back to the governor in a little bit, but a few governor, da- governor Fife Symington the third, um, he decides to do a press conference about the Phoenix Lights, and he's like, "We found out who's behind all of this. We found the culprit, and he has his chief of staff come out, and he's dressed up like an alien, like a gray. Like has a, he's like, we found <laughs> what out what's a jerk. wrong." We found out really who's behind the Phoenix lights. And the chief of staff walks out dressed up like an alien. That's e- terrible. Everybody's making fun of it. It's kind of funny. He even appears on Larry King Live to joke about it. You know, so he, he shows up. So the governor's just saying like, well, we, we don't know exactly what it is, but I tell you what, it's, it's nothing really to worry about. So he's even making fun of it. And, and the governor says, I mean, can you imagine our governor doing like having like an alien come out? <laughs> <laughs> um, so fight I, I, I don't know if I'm saying but with a name like Fife Symington the, the third you're going to expect something ridiculous and we'll come back to the governor in a little bit because we, we find out that he has, a, he has a change of heart later on Ooh, okay um, I like it when that happens I do too but this idea of the abductions surrounding the Phoenix Lights this is kind of carried into well fiction surrounding the event we don't have any, we don't know any, if anything's true around the event. you know we have uh dr katai's movie and the fact that she saw some weird things um we have well enough eyewitnesses to kill a horse and video footage of the phoenix lights so we have all that and no really good explanations yeah uh, so that there's got to be a next stage around there's gonna be a conspiracy around there's got to be something around it and there's a new movie coming out april 21st next week called the phoenix forgotten yay all right and so (laughs) it's uh you know ridley scott is one of the producers and so ridley scott the famous director he directed alien um he directed the martian blade runner gladiator Mm -hmm. uh so he's directed a lot of great movies and, and a lot of very famous genre movies obviously just between alien and blade runner like he's you know he's created the template for how we how we think about the future so he's producing this movie, The Phoenix Forgotten, which is a Blair Witch type found footage movie. I like those. They freak me out. <laughs> they do. They're a little scary. I mean, Blair, the thing is when Blair Witch Project first came out, like people really, people thought it was real. 
I mean, yeah. and, and this is what I'm talking about. The internet was just different at the time. And Blair Witch Project was 1999. But 1997, you didn't have blogs. Like, most people didn't even know how to put up a website, right? And if you did know how to put up a website, it was, like, think about the backgrounds you'd use. You'd use oh, some, man. some kind of background that would look no. horrible. I with, remember mine. With white text over the front. And, like... If you, even, you could get a web designer job if you even could, like, knew a few things in HTML because it blew most people out, you know. Right. And today, you know, everybody has a blog. Everybody makes stuff up all the time and it gets that on the internet. And we have the whole thing about fake news that people are taking stories and uh, they're exaggerating them that they're not true. And if people share it on Facebook, you know, back in the late 90s, you didn't even kind of. You thought if it was on a news website, it was real. Or even with the yeah. internet. You know, this is before we knew that half the things you read on the internet are completely untrue. And <laughs> I mean, Sno- I, maybe Snopes was, if you guys haven't been on Snopes.com, Snopes.com is a, uh, like a myth debunking, urban legend debunking website where they go into the veracity of things. And I think Snopes at the time was probably just for chain emails, you know? <laughs> definitely yeah yeah because you'd always get a chain email from like an older relative or something like that that would say something completely untrue and something crazy and i would get them all the time be like oh i don't even like can i even respond to this and be like no this is ridiculous but no you could just send them to snopes.com and be like just read this and then we'll talk about it later (laughs) but there wasn't like this massive thing where people see something and they they mistrusted it you would believe what you would read on the internet and when the blair witch stuff came out that uh, you know, people were reporting that they were finding these videotapes full of this found footage and, and how weird this was. And, and was there brilliant uh, marketing? <laughs> yeah. And they created these websites that had Blair Witch legends associated with them. People, people bought it and not realizing that something like the Blair Witch Project, that's those the last moments of people's lives. How much money do you think a major movie studio would have to give the families of those people? Oh. Right. To show real life people like getting killed and bad stuff happening to them. And, you know, the re- this isn't some kind of news documentary. This was a for-profit film. Well, that's what this Phoenix Lights movie is about. It's taking what really happened was that people saw these lights in the sky, March 13th, 1997, and saying it's surrounding a fictional story around it of these college students that go out in the direction the lights went into the Which mountains. Which is really taking the story and just telling it from a more fun and interesting imaginative viewpoint. (laughs) Well, you know, the whole reason I thought about the Phoenix lights here, I wanted to do an episode about it was because when we were at South by Southwest, they set up drones to recreate the Phoenix lights over Austin. That's cool. Yeah. So to promote the movie, great idea. Yeah. So to promote the movie, they set up these drone lights, uh, to have the, the, the Phoenix lights over downtown Austin. The movie. So I thought that was I really awesome. That. And I enjoy the fact that they're, they're trying to take this, you know, strange event and make something, you know, cool out of it. And in reality, nobody died. There was no, there's no Phoenix forgot. So you don't have to worry, you know, you can enjoy it without, you know, having to feel <laughs> bad that people actually died on this. It's all part of the story. Yeah. But, you know, The Phoenix Forgotten isn't the first movie to use the Phoenix Lights as a basis for a fictional story. And this one, I I consider even a little more scary because it doesn't have Ridley Scott. It doesn't have like a big director associated with it. It's more low key. And this one came out a couple years ago and it's directed by a guy named Keith R.M., and he's directed a lot of video games, like the, the cutscenes and the action in video games like Call of Duty, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Ghost Recon. Mm. And so he was directing the human actors in their, in their motion capture. Now, you've done motion capture, haven't you, Wendy? Um, no. Oh, you didn't do it? No. Okay. I thought, you, I thought you did a motion capture thing at Madison Media Institute one time. No, no, no. I, I've like auditioned for um, in, in the studios. Yeah. But I haven't actually. Okay. You didn't. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, I, I didn't remember if I saw a picture of you with the stuff on. No, I wish. Okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, in Madison, we have uh, some video game studios that do the motion capture. And we have a, a little, a, like a tech school that teaches you how to do it. 
Um, so it's a it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's interesting stuff. And so this guy is one of those directors who worked for some of these big games like Call of Duty, and he comes out with a movie called The Phoenix Incident. And well, let me just let him talk about it a little bit. He says our military was caught off guard by a peaceful flyby. My feeling is that they've been here for years and they've visited our planet many times. Phoenix was the first time that we actively engaged them, and that has provoked a more hostile relationship. We didn't want the UFO community to think that this is a hoax or in any way insulting because I'm a believer. The reason I think it's interesting is because there's a whole viral marketing campaign around this movie to make it similar to Blair Witch, that whole idea. But they're weaving history in. Right. This is getting confusing. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, this is from the Boston Globe in February 2016. A UFO cover up? Question mark. Director of film is a new is a believer, so he even says the director's talking in, in interviews. He's like, you know, I really think this happened. I really think that the military was involved in a UFO cover up of the of the Phoenix Lights. He says that. Then they put out this thing called the Grayson tapes, which ties a missing persons case. Four people went missing. It says in uh, 1997. Okay, and let me read you a little description. Four friends in Estrella Mountain National Park. They're off-roading the night of March 13, 1997. That was the last night any of them were seen, and no identifiable trace has ever been found. Uh-huh. A suspect was later arrested and thought to be connected with the disappearances. Okay, now that suspect, this is where the Grayson tapes come in. So it's videotapes of them interviewing the suspect, and the suspect in the tapes, which are all fictional, is aligned with Heaven's Gate. Ah, uh, okay. So what they're doing is they're taking the history of the people actually saw the Phoenix Lights. The Heaven's Gate members, they all did kill themselves. And there were people who were still aligned with Heaven's Gate, you know, later on. That's why the website's still up. And, you know, people think of a, of a religion like that. We call people killing themselves. Um, they think of them as dangerous. So now they're mixing in these real-life events with their movie, but they're completely fictional Oh, movie. man. And they're putting out this stuff, these tapes, these, these videotapes online of the interrogation of the suspect, Grayson. And uh, th- they say that the Maricopa, the Maricopa County Medical Examiner claims that a bear was responsible for the, you know, the, the killings of the disappearances <laughs> of these four men in Estrella Mountain National Park. Hmm. Says they came to the conclusion after bone fragments were found in the area, but the results were inconclusive. The bones were never identified as belonging to any of the men. So how is it that four strong young men all go missing the same night, never to be seen again without a trace from a bear attack? I have a hard time believing it. This happened the same night, just north of the park. Thousands of people saw a massive UFO floating over the city of Phoenix. Here's a website with some weird info on the disappearances. You should check it out. Phoenixincident.org. Phoenixincident.org.org, not .com. Uh, okay. Right? So uh, they have a fake website that is designed to talk all about this. Now, what I was just reading to you isn't from the press release of the movie. It's Hmm. from a a conspiracy and UFO and paranormal forum called AboveTopSecret.com. So AboveTopSecret.com is where thousands of people get together and they talk about UFOs and conspiracies and everything. So this person, Quantum Gamer (sighs) 1776, posts this link to this viral marketing stuff. And people respond, oh, thank you for this post. I'm definitely going to check out this site. Somebody else, you know what? It's more likely they were abducted. I've been reading about space beings not knowing what love is, so they're interested in our planet. That's why we have to be careful of them. Those are just my thoughts. I hope these people live on in a better place. Piranha says, all these years and I didn't know about this. The Phoenix Lights and the Stephenville Lights coming back to Stephenville, are two of my favorite stories. I remember when they were going across Texas and I heard a couple of first-hand accounts from my friends. That's cool. But all of these are responses. I mean, there's a hundred responses to this initial thing. Oh, goodness. And it doesn't get to hoax stuff until, you know, a couple pages in. You know, and, and people aren't realizing that this is a hoax, that this quantum gamer is probably the director of the movie. <laughs> right. Or an intern that they hired to yeah, their social media <laughs> spread it around <laughs> is talking about it. And so if you do the research for like Phoenix Lights abduction, 
Mm-hmm. This is what you find. You oh, find no. you find links to these things where people are talking about it like it really happened. Now, here's something else that I think is really interesting. I originally ran into this on YouTube when I was searching for more on the Phoenix Lights. And it's a guy telling this particular story uh, just over some footage of the Phoenix Lights. But November 3rd, 2015, interestingly enough, the press release that we just read, the, that form topic was November 6th, 2015. Okay. And they, they seem to coincide with the movie's release date of November uh, 2015. In the UK, the movie was released in the UK first, then released in the US in March to coincide with the 18th anniversary of the lights. So this is CryptozoologyNews.com. Okay. Cryptozoology News is, I read it. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the kind of news we love. <laughs> I, I read CryptozoologyNews.com. You bet I do. And it's most of the stuff is just recent stories about Bigfoot. Bigfoot watched me through the window, claims Oklahoma woman. Awesome. Um, two people see Bigfoot in Ohio. It's a, it's a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Dinosaur, birds, some UFO things. But November 3rd, 2015, Tucson, Arizona. A man says a creature that didn't look human tried to break into his house on the same night the Phoenix Lights made their appearance in 1997. I went to bed around 10 p.m. that night and was awakened by the sound of someone attempting to open the bedroom window. He said, he said on a report submitted to the Mutual UFO Network. The sound was like mm. nails on a blackboard, he added. No. So he tells this story about how he sees a non-human intruder in his house, you know, and he looks for a shotgun. Um, he says that the, the, the creature ran away, jumped over his fence like a hurdle jumper in the Olympics, and that he saw a disc-shaped flying device raise off the ground from where the creature ran to. Seven feet tall, thin humanoid with extremely long arms and a large head shaped like a football helmet. He says he hid behind his sofa and clutched his shotgun all night and then eventually talked to his friends about it. But the thing is, he said he didn't have a TV at the time. He didn't have internet, so he had never heard about the Phoenix Lights till later on. Oh. So hmm. then it mixes, this, this same story mixes in Arizona Governor Fife Symington III uh, <laughs> talking about the press conference, but later admitting he sees something. And we'll get back to Fife Symington III in a second. But the thing is, the viral marketing campaign, Cryptozoology News, doesn't even have an author's name on here, right? Hmm. Um, they just took the mutual UFO network report and they repackaged it for the thing. Okay. So the mutual UFO network is just a guy writing in the report, submitting it to MUFON years later. Okay. Okay. If you're somebody who's interested in this stuff, like I keep uh, MUFON, like the RSS feed for any reports that are in Wisconsin or Bigfoot or cryptozoology reports. Um, I check the RSS feed on that at least once or twice a week to see yeah. if anything interesting happened in our area. Good to be on top of it. If you were checking that and you see this anonymous report about something happening March 13th, 1997, and you know something about this, like the people at cryptozoologynews.com obviously do, then you write it up. You're like, oh my God, this is, has to, this is the same night as the Phoenix Lights. <laughs> so it was probably submitted by the director of the movie, The Phoenix oh, Incident. No. And so he did this. Somebody, you know, puts up, uh, somebody reads this whole report out loud and they put it up on YouTube as well, too. So people are taking this like raw data. They're taking this raw data from MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network website, and then they're putting it into stories. And, you know, when we talk about fake news and we talk about the difference between 1997 and 2017, why we're so suspicious of reports now when we might not have been suspicious in 1997. It's because blogs and news sites and everything, they take that raw data information all the time, they repackage it, and they put it on their site. (laughs) Also, one of the reports, and this is still going on the Phoenix incident. Now, I read a lot of movie news, obviously, so we can talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) Yes, you do. And I love movie news. But so like some of the sites that I subscribe to, so I subscribe to Ain't It Cool News, which I've been visiting since, you know, summer 97. I read Bloody Disgusting, which I've been, (laughs) which is horror movie news. Um, The AV Club, which used to be part of The Onion. Yeah. And so I subscribe to all those. And the thing is, the same story is on all of those sites (sighs) every day. It's the same story from the original press release that comes out. And that's the thing. So today, if you get a story like that, 
that you, you grab it from the mutual UFO network, you grab the raw data, and then you yeah. repackage it. Somebody grabs it from you because they want it for their UFO blog. Somebody grabs it from them because they want it from their UFO blog. And by the end, you're playing a game of telephone. Man. And that's the thing. And so it, it, it's funny that even Bloody Disgusting <laughs> is talking about the Phoenix incident, the movie, and they're, they tie it into the, the missing abduction, the missing people, the four men as well. So it doesn't even mention that it's a made-up thing and four people yeah. never actually disappeared. Oh, it just geez. says, like, well, it's based on real events, and it's combined with the events of those real abductions, the real Phoenix Lights that people saw with a fictionalized story. And then there's the director saying, no, I believe this stuff is real. Oh, and man. Uh, right. And then they're putting the mutual UFO network thing goes out there. It's on YouTube. It's on the internet. And then they put stuff on Above Top Secret. So what they're doing is they're... And see, this isn't even some kind of government conspiracy thing <laughs> where they tried to like cover their tracks or anything. This is just a bunch of movie makers. You know, this is a studio who's just right. trying to make money on a film. <sighs> and when you think about it, like if they can do that kind of thing and create this Phoenix incident where it's like, well, it's fictionalized, but it's, it's based on real stuff. It's the exact same thing that Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 is doing in his new book, his Secret Machines thing. <laughs> He's like, well, we're doing a fictionalized story of what I really, what I believe is real. Okay. These guys can do that for the fake stuff. If you think that somebody who's actually smart <laughs> about covering their tracks can't fool us into things, I, yeah. I'm just saying, even in this day and age, when we have the entirety of, of human knowledge in our pocket at all times, <sighs> um, just be careful whatever you read because um anyway it could be it could be a setup uh just so you buy it you know just so you buy tickets to a movie so i said we get back to fife symington the third mm, please please do and so when he was governor you know that's when he he was making fun of it and he's like guys it's nothing you know it's just aircraft or whatever we don't know exactly what it is but it's nothing to worry about a few years later he comes out and says I saw it too. <gasps> yeah, the governor. Oh, that's cool. He says, he said, he saw it too. He saw the lights. Uh, he was a Vietnam pilot. So he's like, I'm a pilot. and I know just about every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it. Wait, so this is, he saw it during the original sightings? Yeah. And he made fun of it. He's it was enormous the- and inexplicable. Who knows where it came from? A lot of people saw it, and I saw it too. It was dramatic. So how did he backpedal on making fun of it? Well, he said that he didn't want to alarm people. That he thought <laughs> that if he if he was ser- if he, if they took it too seriously, people in Phoenix would freak out. Okay. He said it couldn't have been flares because it was too symmetrical. It had a geometric outline, a constant shape. So what's funny is that. You know, he went from, you know, when he was governor, making fun of it to actually saying, nope, he saw it. And I watched a whole bunch of interviews with him today. And he was on Larry King Live talking about it. He was at a UFO press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. He's uh, been interviewed in several different documentaries now. Um, he organized a panel of witnesses for the Larry King show. So, like, he comes from, like, making fun of it to now being really into it. And interesting enough, though, he didn't finish his second term, okay? Hmm. So the Grand Canyon National Park was shut down in 1995 because of a federal budget impasse. He says that the Grand Canyon must remain open by force if necessary. All right? So he calls out the National Guard or whatever to make sure that the Grand Canyon Park is open so they wouldn't lose the tax dollars and anything. He does that. He's later indicted on 21 federal counts of extortion, making false financial statements and bank fraud. He's convicted of seven counts of September 4th, 1997. So this is six months or less than six months after the Phoenix Lights are seen. He's charged and he's got to resign. All right. Wow. Eventually the conviction is overturned, but he still resigns in disgrace. So is he now backpedaling on this because he wants to be remembered as the UFO governor versus the extortion governor? <laughs> I just wonder if, you know, the politics had something to do with him all of a sudden making an about face and, and coming around and saying that, yeah, I saw something too. And it definitely wasn't aircraft and it definitely uh, wasn't flares. 
Yeah. Now, what could the Phoenix Lights have been? I mean, a whole physicist goes into what the V formation is um, in 1998. He does this. He puts it on his AOL site, and you can only find it by going to the Wayback Machine. <laughs> but a physicist goes in, does an investigation. He, you know, he says it's going to be flares or it's going to be planes. It's the same thing that ever that the government's saying. It's going to be flares or it's going to be planes. Easy, but we still don't really have a, you know, explanation of what it is for sure. Because the yeah. thing is, the government could have come out and said, like, oh yeah, this was just we had a we had flights going out that particular night. Here's the flight records. Here, I mean, everything from the uh, everything. Because they went right through the main area, they were being seen by the Phoenix like flight controllers, the air traffic controllers, you know. But they didn't show up on the air traffic control. Oh, that's odd, right? And then every two weeks, the air traffic control records are expunged. So nobody thought, because it's like, oh well, we I guess we didn't get to the air traffic control uh, records until too late. Come huh? on, <laughs> right? That's the whole well, thing. That's the whole thing. If it was actually some kind of extraterrestrial, it kind of does make sense that it would be like a drive-by hello, because otherwise, why would they put lights on? You know, if they're trying to be sneaky or something, you wouldn't, you wouldn't just fly over the clearly most populated areas. Yeah. And you would just see like, like, let's say you're just coming by to see what it's like Earth's all about. And then they see something, maybe they look down like, oh, it kind of looks hot down here or whatever. It's a desert. Like maybe let's move on to the next area. Yeah, this looks like home. (laughs) Right. The next planet might be a little more exciting. But the kind of thing is they really could just come out and say like, here are the flight records from that exact night. It's nothing. Guys, don't worry about it. Right. But they don't. And I think the reason they don't is because, number one. It makes our enemies think that we have secret aircraft. It makes our... Yeah, oh, like sure. It, if they don't buy the UFO thing, you know, let's say you're uh, whoever our enemies, the United States enemies are today, <laughs> whoever, you know, whoever would care about that. I guess it's Russia again. So now the Russians again, like, right. they don't buy the UFO thing. So they're thinking, oh man, the US has a plane. I, try, I, I try to do some kind of accent here, but I, my Russian Boris <laughs> accent isn't very good. Say, um, you know, that the US has a spy plane that's a mile long. Like all of us, like where'd they get that technology? They got a spy plane that's a mile long. Yeah, that's how do crazy. we not spot that? Yeah, um, all that kind of thing. It's it's just like when Tom DeLonge comes out and he's he just had an interview in Rolling Stone this week. Oh, uh-huh, boy! Today, and we're gonna. I'd love to get Tom DeLonge in the show just to to hear him. I'd like to hear a couple of Blink One Eighty Two like road stories too, but also his UFO <laughs> stuff. And so we'll keep bugging him. I can, I've emailed yes. his publicist like three or four times. So oh gosh, we'll that'd see be if great. We can eventually get him. But just like Tom DeLonge's like, well, the reason we do these fictionalized things is because that's the, that's the best way we can get disclosure out. And I've talked to these people at the government, and I, they're telling me the truth. The, the aliens are here. Okay, <laughs> I guess the aliens are here. For whatever reason, they want him to believe the aliens are here. Yeah. And so I think that's the reason that the government doesn't say anything about it. You could, you could dismiss it. and. Mm-hmm. Make it just sound like it was some pedestrian, boring military thing, or you could just shut up and be like, you know what? We don't know what it was. Yeah, definitely. Who, who knows? And then that carries over into uh, psychological operations. Some people were even, <sighs> some people were even saying that uh, one of the conspiracy theories around the Phoenix Lights is that it was a psychological operation conducted by the Department of Defense to see how people would react. That'd be interesting. See how people would react to a mass UFO sighting. Yeah. Not just a couple people, but 10,000. It's a little dangerous, though, for an experiment. Because what if the people went crazy and started, you know, doing irrational things? (laughs) Right. What if people started killing each other? What if, like, they had to declare martial law because people started rioting? Right. Like, that would be, that'd be a, I don't know. Well, you know... Um, this is the same government that released a cloud of plutonium over the city of Seattle true, just to true. see what would happen. Right. So I would say that the worrying about people rioting in mass is the a very fair thing. point you make. It's the last thing on their list. So uh, the Phoenix Lights, we still don't have an explanation, but we do have several theories about what it could be. But in the end, nothing that's satisfying to everybody mm. as to what the Phoenix Lights could be. If you guys want to learn more about it, we have all this stuff, the details the links to the documentary we're gonna put some links to the youtube videos that i was talking about links to the phoenix incident so you can see how good their viral marketing campaign was 
And we'll even uh, have a link to the new movie, Phoenix Forgotten, in the show notes. And you can check that out because it's always fun when people make a paranormal movie based on things that really happen. Yes, and the show notes will be at othersidepodcast.com slash 140. This week's Sunspot track takes a different tack on what the UFO is doing flying over Phoenix. Unlike the Phoenix Forgotten or the Phoenix Incident, maybe these aliens just went to Las Vegas to have a good time on a little St. Patrick's Day getaway. They partied too hard? That can happen to anyone in Las Vegas. And then they got lost on the way home. Just saying that maybe they didn't mean any harm, they just don't get the same kind of fun in their homeworld. Anyway, here is the Ballad of the Phoenix Lights. They came down to Sin City for St. Patty's Day party When things were far from pretty, they started drinking too early They hailed from a world that was dry, a real cosmic bore These boys just wanted to get high and maybe even score So they hit the ship and hit the strip, didn't miss a casino And they left the trailer wreckage from the Luxor to the Flamingo When the aliens finally showed up, they did not come to destroy No hellfire blaze or cosmic rays, they came here to enjoy The good life that they couldn't get on a world beyond the black These spacemen just like the party, are we gonna send them back? Their foreign livers couldn't process all the booze they did consume And the MIB said they had to leave for the trash their hotel room they stumbled back to their ship, got the wheel with one eye closed But they took off way too fast and then got lost on the way home They thought they set the course for their world and went southeast instead The driver said that he was fine, but he was messed out of his head When the aliens finally showed up, they did not come to destroy No hellfire blaze or cosmic rays, they came here to enjoy the good life that they couldn't get on a world beyond the black These spacemen just like the party Are we gonna send them back? When they finally got to Phoenix Well, it made quite a scene Ten thousand people saw their lights They knew it couldn't be a dream Maricopa County had a share of Joe He saw the crack with his own eyes He knew he had to pull them down In the galactic DUI Tracked them down by the mountain range And they didn't try to run License and registration He said, you boys have had your fun You see, this rock ain't for aliens Especially trouble like y'all This planet's for humans only Gonna kick you off by fall When the aliens finally showed up They did not come to destroy No hellfire blaze or cosmic rays They came here to enjoy the good life that they couldn't get on a world beyond the black These spacemen just like the party Are we gonna send them back? The driver cried all midnight tears And Joe felt a touch of mercy Maybe I shouldn't be so tough Maybe these things are just like me So he didn't blast them back to space So they didn't have to run Now they're being poked and prodded In Area 51 When the aliens finally showed up They did not come to destroy No hellfire blaze or cosmic rays They came here to enjoy The good life that they couldn't get On a world beyond the black these spacemen just like the party Now they're never going back These spacemen just want it better Now they're never going back Well, they want a better life They're never going back Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the brightest lights in our sky. Let's not be remiss, Mike. Let's talk about those bright lights. And our own bright lights are our Patreon community, the people that decided to go deep into their hearts, pull out a couple of bucks each month, and 
help yeah. other side podcast happen um to help the new songs and the podcasts and the blog posts and the videos and all the fun stuff that we do uh every week when we talk about weird stuff they're keeping our lights on that's a good point our <laughs> brothers are keeping our lights on and a special thanks goes out to dr ned dr ned doc thank you so much he's at the level of the patreon we thank him in every episode and you can be at that level too if you go to othersidepodcast.com slash donate Okay, what does that mean? That means it's big. It's huge.